Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hi, I'm Ashleen from The Feminist Critique. We are a movie podcast that takes a deep dive into some of your favorite movies to analyze them. Both me and my co-host, Gracie, talk about if the movie has aged well. We put them to both feminist and inclusive tests. Then we ask the most important question of them all. Is the movie good? Because a film doesn't necessarily have to be feminist or inclusive to be considered good, but it is kind of nice when those things are included. We have theme months, including May, which is Mel Brooks month. June is LGBTQ month. And then July is our favorite month of them all. Bad movie month. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Perhaps It's You, your favorite Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. And we're we're back. We're back. We're in Minnesota. We are alive. We needed a little break. Pandemic got us down. But we're still here. We're not ill. We're not we're not dying. No, we're fine. Just we just we needed a little mental health vacation. Yeah. Yes, we, we- did. Um, we needed five minutes that wasn't a Zoom call or a Zencaster. <laughs> <laughs> we needed time to work on our Animal Crossing Islands, but this we're is back. This is a fact. But we're back. Um, it is Memorial Day today that we're recording this, and we have an episode for you about <laughs> Veterans Day, and uh, yeah, I'm not real happy about it. <laughs> This is maybe one of the worst episodes. I realize we've said that a lot. We've we've really said this is the worst. This is terrible. This is a horrible episode. Probably more times than hey. we honestly we've probably disliked more episodes than we've liked. But this is like the bar. <laughs> the bar has here. been raised. We're here to complain about the thing we're supposed to love. Give us five stars. Uh wow. Okay, but before I'm I'm jumping the gun. Do we have any updates? I, have- I feel like we probably should. I mean, I should probably have an important update or a real update, but I really just have another Animal Crossing update. Do it's it. been a couple weeks, and that is that we, this podcast, folks, we are big time. Oh, yeah. We're an official podcast now. We have a Facebook group, a regular Facebook group, but more importantly, we have a spin-off niche Facebook group, and it is not my favorite pickled onion. I wish it was, but <laughs> <laughs> it is an Animal Crossing facebook group i should pull it up to give people the name it's it's perhaps it's you dot 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 that wants to see my spooky outfit of the day yes and it's an animal it's animal crossing (laughs) specifically i think the easiest way to find it is probably by going to our regular perhaps it's you group probably there's a there's a thread in there about animal crossing if you search for it you'll find the link join if you're playing Animal Crossing, we keep getting a few new maps. Some people have specifically, I think, gotten Switch lights just to play Animal Crossing with, with us, which is wild to me. Join the Facebook group because we're sharing our turnip prices. Oh, uh, yeah. What's your price today? Mine's terrible. Well, I didn't check the afternoon price, but I had like 94 bells or something. That's nothing to write home about. Oh, I had like so. 50 something and I was like, Timmy and Tommy, I'm going to kill you. Oh, that's an escalation. If you start the week with a pretty low price, that's I think that's a good sign because I think you can only go up from okay. from there. Don't quote me on that. People actually like pre- try and predict the stock S T A L K market. Uh, it's wild to me, but 
People are getting but, real into this because <laughs> real life is such a bust. Yeah. People are like, eh, fuck real life. How that- many millions of bells did you make on the stock market this week? Uh, yeah, join our Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, I know some people aren't. I'm sorry about that, but I this is what we got. Uh, join, you know, share your turnip prices. Uh, <laughs> if if you have a meteor shower on your island, we'll yeah, we've come been, over. We've we'll been like going to each other's islands, and yeah. yeah, it's cute. Since you can't really like go anywhere in real life, or at least you shouldn't be. I know plenty of people are like fighting to get in Red Lobster, but. <laughs> Oh my god! No That's wonder my, I'm so weary. My, uh, my update, the the Animal Crossing update. No, that's a solid update because we are now. I feel like an official podcast. Like we have just been, you know, kind of, kind of crawling along until now. It's more of just like a hobby. But now that there's a a spinoff Facebook group, I'm like, how we've arrived. This is it. It's like a red carpet has been rolled out for us. <laughs> I feel like other topics people could make spinoff. Uh, Facebook groups, maybe one just about snacks. Hundred percent. Perhaps it's snacks. Or you you could like start a little thing where you maybe send people snacks through the mail, like a little gift. Oh my there. god! Like yes. A, a sort of pen pal secret secret Satan snacks. Situ- yes, yeah, secret snacks, and you send people a little care package full of snacks. I would participate in that for so sure. That. that would be fun. Um, that's a, for sure a spinoff Facebook group we could have. Someone needs to make that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Animal stories, hero animal stories group. That seems solid. Maybe just not pets related. Oh yeah, uh, perhaps it's your pets. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps all of them are just perhaps it's blank. Perhaps it's snacks. Perhaps yeah. it's pets. Why not? <laughs> Our name really up. lends itself to these spin-off Facebook groups. I'm honestly surprised there's not more. Yeah. It's almost like we only have five listeners, so get to work, people. Uh, we have gotten some incredible submissions for the zine. I'm blown away, but we are still collecting them. So if you want to make fan art or a poem or a recipe or though, don't do mac and cheesies. We got one. It's great. Uh, Is that really off illustration going in the zine? The pink you know, I don't think it was submitted, but maybe we can special request it because it would be great. That pink moth, so cute. Yeah, we got some really great uh, fan art recently of our. We have an official moth. I guess that is an update. The rosy maple moth. That's our moth because it's fucking pink and it's yellow fuzzy. and orange and in nature, and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And now we have fan art featuring it, and really, God, sometimes just everything comes together. <laughs> so beautiful uh yeah so we're still taking zine submissions perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com i really have been enjoying seeing what everybody's coming up with uh if you are a patron starting this week that you're listening to this if it just came out uh we're resuming sending out rewards so i will post a update for the patrons you've probably already seen that but we were on hold while, you know, the world got really weird, but I'm going to resume that this week. So if you're owed some rewards, those will be going out. Very exciting. And if you want to take advantage of our new reward, which is making a 30 second ad to be played on the show, nobody is taking advantage of it, but it is an option. Yeah, send you it could, in. 
you could promote your your Etsy store or your OnlyFans or wish Samantha a good day. I don't know. Do whatever you want, really. It's up to you. If you want to make a little 30-second thing telling us that we're great, I mean, poof, we'll play that. We'll do shout outs. I don't know if we mentioned that. If you want to shout out, you know, your mom listens to our podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Say absolutely. hi. Happy birthday. Whatever. Yeah. Um, if you want okay. Liz to sing your mom a song, I mean, in her rich person voice, I think we could probably make that happen. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'll try. Okay. I have an update, which was last night I had an, uh, a nightmare about a crab. And I woke up and I was like, that's weird. Well, today I was in our, right before we started recording, I was in our podcast group and I saw that listener Amy posted this article, the coconut crab kills birds and breaks bones, may have eaten Amelia Earhart alive. (laughs) And then I was like, oh yeah, that's why I had that nightmare about being attacked by a crab. I'm sorry, what? Eat her her alive? What? Excuse me? This is from okay. allthatsinteresting.com. The coconut crab isn't just scary looking. Its claws are powerful enough to rip open a coconut. It can climb trees. And it just may be the animal that devoured Amelia Earhart. That seems like a leap. But, um... I mean, prove it didn't devour Amelia I mean, Earhart. yeah, I guess. Monstrous. That was the only world Charles Darwin could find to describe the coconut crab when he first saw one for himself. It's too bad it has such a cute name. I know. It is. There is a picture of one climbing on a trash can, and it's like the size of a like full trash can, and it is kind of terrifying. Uh, The coconut crab stretches three feet long, and though it only weighs eight or nine pounds, it is strong enough to carry something six times its own weight. Okay. It's going to carry away your kid. (laughs) Yeah. So where do we get to the part about it eating Amelia Earhart? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I can eat some coconuts. It's creepy to look at, sure. But coconuts aren't the only things these creatures eat. They'll eat almost anything. They've been known to hunt and kill birds, to tear apart live pigs, and to even cannibalize the corpses of other coconut crabs. Nothing's off the menu for a coconut crab. They'll even eat their own skin. <laughs> gross. gross coconut crab <laughs> i mean i guess i kind of like chew on my my hangnails sometimes maybe they'll put that <laughs> in an article about me liz walker even eats her own skin okay <laughs> when the old molted shell falls off they eat it whole chewing up dried shell of their own skin okay then we see that they can climb trees which is kind of terrifying there's a huge population of them on Christmas Island. But these things are pretty well anywhere. You can find a coconut tree. Okay, I'm still not seeing the part. It might be on your Animal Crossing Island. These things are terrifying. I'm looking at the picture. Yeah, it, it looks like the <laughs> alien from Alien. <laughs> they like attack and kill birds. And then we just, okay, so we go from a picture of a, of a coconut crab eating a bird. And then all of a sudden it's tearing Amelia Earhart apart. <laughs> of course. Coconut crabs don't usually try to hurt people, but there have been exceptions. Humans are their only predators, and when pushed, they will strike back. Who wrote this? <laughs> all 
right. So anyway, the island where she landed has a bunch of coconut crabs, and that might be the reason why we haven't found her body. That seems like a stretch. I don't know. Just that there are coconut crabs there doesn't mean they ate her. I don't know that you In can jump to that conclusion. Researchers found a fractured skeleton on Nikomaro Island that had been torn apart limb from limb. It is widely to believe the body of Amelia Earhart. Dot, dot, dot. And that she had been torn apart by coconut crabs. That is not widely believed. No, it's really not at all. It's widely believed by this person. A team of scientists ran a test in 2007 to see what crabs would have done to her. They left a pig carcass at the site where Earhart was believed to have crashed. Just as they imagined. This is disgusting. Just as they imagined might have happened to Earhart. The crabs crawled out of their homes and tore the pig to shreds. <laughs> then the, then the crabs dragged whatever they could find to their underground lairs and ate the flesh of its bones. They have underground lairs? Yeah, these are. No, no wonder I had a fucking nightmare about this thing. And in my nightmare, it was just caught in my hair and I couldn't get it out. Was that a psychic dream? Because you had that nightmare last night. Yeah, but I saw this article. Oh, I don't know, this a article couple days ago. Okay, this article caused you to have the nightmare. I got yeah, it. I, I understand. I think it infiltrated my brain and, you know, it appeared in dream form. Um. Yeah, so anyway, that might be what happened to Amelia Earhart. Crabs came from a lair and ate her alive. <laughs> Tore her limb from limb. Yeah, that's an update right. for you. An update that you probably weren't expecting unless you were Amy. Uh, now I'm just stalling because I don't want to talk about this. All right. Uh, what episode is this? It. It's season five, episode, it's episode nine. nine we're on. And then, then it's oh, just like. Oh, I wish I could time travel back to episode eight talking about alien farts I with know. Rob. I know. But now we have to talk about the last POW. I literally have to talk about it. Actually, I'm just thankful I don't have to cover those segments. Well, you still have to provide delightful commentary, as you are Don't count on that, but I will try. (laughs) Uh, Wow, this segment is, first of all, so long. Okay, you know what we can say about this episode? Robert Stack is in so many different outfits. That is true. Some new outfits we have not seen, including his outfit at the beginning of this segment. It's like a darker trench coat. It's a black trench coat. It might be a black trench coat. Have we seen a black trench coat? I feel like it might be like a very dark green, but it might be black. And my TV is black. It's hard to tell from the lighting, but also it might be made of like windbreaker fabric. Interesting. I so this is what I remember. I was I turned on the episode and then I was going to get a snack and was going into our pantry. And as I walked into the pantry, out of the corner of my eye, I caught the TV. Coconut crab. No, oh, not a coconut crab. That'd be horrifying. But I saw Robert Stack in his black trench coat, which he paired with a black turtleneck. An interesting look. And I took a double take and I stepped out of the pantry. <laughs> and I said, what? What? what is this? A black trench coat? Interesting. Uh, the most memorable moment of this episode was, was that for me. Okay. Someone has clearly taken, a new person has clearly taken over the Unsolved Mysteries Twitter handle, I assume, in anticipation of the new episode. Oh, here's a fucking update. We're supposed to get new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries in July. It's exciting. On on Netflix. That's the, the tentative date. That's the rumor. Anyway, so I, I think someone else has taken over their Twitter to try to be like more funny, right? 
So they unearthed this clip that must be from like a very old Conan O'Brien show because he looks like a little baby anyway and he is somewhere i don't know where he's somewhere with a bunch of children and above them is a photo of robert stack and he was like yes i'm here today to talk about a man we all know and love robert stack (laughs) and then he asked the children how many of them have had a nightmare about robert stack and they all raised their hands (laughs) (laughs) it's quite good i retweeted it you can find it on our twitter uh, that's a little gem. I have no idea the context for that. And you know what? Kind of don't want to know. Kind of great the way it is. Uh, unfortunately, this episode is not just Robert Sack modeling different trench coats. Oh, what a great episode that would be. I would love if there was just one episode that where they were like, look, we don't have any mysteries. This episode is just cribs and we're going to see Robert Sack's house. What? That would blow my mind. Why can't that be a thing? I want to see the trench coat room. Yeah. Okay. I also asked Unsolved Mysteries. Where are the trench coats? Is there an archive? And they said that that is a mystery that they are not prepared to solve or something like that. Because I want to know where the fuck they are now. Am I still stalling? Yes, because this is... I thought that... I don't even know what I used to think was my least favorite type of mystery, but my actual least favorite type of mystery is POWs. And that's pretty much the whole episode. That's this whole somehow, episode. Why? There are four mysteries in this episode, but somehow this first one is the whole episode. I don't understand how it's that math works. So long, though. And I feel bad for this family, but also, like, what do you want me to do? I don't know. I don't know. I hate it. Okay. We're talking about the case of Charles E. Shelton. So this episode starts in October of 1990 and you're seeing like a military funeral at Arlington Cemetery with the whole rigmarole and you think that's going to be for a veteran but gotcha it's actually for a veteran's wife Marion Shelton who spent 25 years fighting to find the truth of her husband Colonel Charles Shelton who was shot down in the spring of 1965 he is Notable for being the last service member listed as a prisoner of war from the Vietnam War. And and was re- is referred to as America's last POW. Um, well, so I was watching this and Matt came and sat down and he was like, oh, this is an interesting segment because it's clear that America is the bad guys. And I was like, mm, I don't know that everyone watching this <laughs> is going to have that takeaway from this veterans day special mag i definitely don't think that was unsolved mysteries intention but he thought it was like clear as day that in this case that it was the american government that and he felt like this segment was saying that and i was like mm, i think that it, your biases are really coming into play i do think some of the people interviewed may share some of that sentiment but yeah. I don't know that that's definitely... the Unsolved Mysteries is trying to present. <laughs> no, I mean, definitely his family was, like, beyond frustrated with the American government. Um, and part of the reason that Max said that was that because uh, Charles was not a regular serviceman in Vietnam, he was actually doing secret reconnaissance in Laos. So he was, like, the, the, the U.S. government has never even, like, officially admitted that we 
committed military actions or however you phrase that in Laos. Like they refuse to admit that. So he's doing like secret CIA stuff, which is part of the reason that this gets complicated. So, okay. At this During the Vietnam War, actually pretty close to the beginning, he was stationed with his family in Okinawa, Japan. We see a like last goodbye to them on the April 20th, 1965. Then on the 29th it was his birthday and his family decided to celebrate his birthday even though he wasn't there and they had like other service families over and whatever what what a, the worst day i know this then, news. They have a, they're having a party for him they're having a birthday party for him even though he's not there just to like celebrate and have a good time and so cinematically like as they're having this party and there's like a cake with like his literal name on it of course two military officers or whoever comes to inform you shows up at the house and she has to very nervously be like oh okay so how can i help you and that's when she's informed that his plane was shot down at the time they still had radio contact with him and they were like look we're gonna go get him it's gonna be fine but his uh but his plane was shot down the problem is that where he was the conditions weren't good for flying for some reason i didn't understand so he just sat there yeah it was something to to do with yeah the weather i don't know they at first they were able they it sounded like they flew over or someone flew over and but at the last second the weather turned bad and they weren't able to land or something i don't know shit about flying but yeah unsolved mysteries made it sound Basically, he sat there and waited to be rescued for three days, and they weren't able to rescue him, which is another thing that doesn't make the government, the U.S. government, look great. Um, so now we blatantly cut to some racism. <laughs> There's like a jump cut to racism. The music that's used for this dramatic moment where people come out of the jungle to get him. Oh, my God. Not very 2020. So then we're told that uh, Charles's resistance was legendary and even gave him the grudging respect of his captors. Unsolved Mysteries makes this guy seem like he is a fucking super spy. They uh, want him Commando. to seem like Rambo or some <laughs> shit. Yeah. I really doubt his captors were like, I gotta hand it to that yank. He really puts up a fight. He flips like, a table. He like punches one of them out. And then he takes his chains that are like, of course, his wrists are connected with uh, with a chain. And he like whips it around someone's neck and strangles them. It's 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 ludicrous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, um, okay. So at this point, he's known that he's a POW and his foot locker is sent to his wife. What's strange about it is that the locker contains his dog tags and his military ID, which you would expect to be on his person, right? And also there's a camera in the footlocker. And once the film is developed, it shows a photo of him standing in front of the plane in what's called a sanitized uniform. And what that means is that it's not the official, like, army. I think actually he was in the Air Force, so I apologize. It's not the official Air Force uniform. It doesn't have, like, flags or any insignia on it. It's just, like, a jumpsuit. But the reason for that is because he's doing stuff that we're not admitting that we're doing. Because we haven't to this day, admitted that there was warfare in Laos. So the problem is that when prisoners are captured in Laos, the American government won't admit that there's anyone in Laos to negotiate for. <sighs> okay. So there you go. The, that's the reason why Mac was like, oh, here we see that the U.S. government are the bad guys. And I was like, I don't think that was like the producers sat down and they were like, finally, really going <laughs> to stick it to Uncle Sam. 
for this Veterans Day special. Uh, at this point, his family moves home to Kentucky. There's really no reason for them to stay stationed in Japan. They go back to their family in Kentucky. But they would continue to hear rumors about him over the years from other service people that sort of floated through their lives. And they would, like, get updates if he had been wounded or he had, like, tried to escape again or some shit. Uh, at this point, we're told that he was supposedly kept in a cage in the ground and poked with sticks to keep him awake. I mean, who the hell knows? It's it's a It's a good moment to remember that the u.s government does not treat prisoners of war well either and that this is an illegal war okay uh at this point we get to the when the war officially ends nixon makes his announcement and he says there's gonna be two lists released one of the pow's who are returning home and one of the prisoners who have died in captivity so 591 pow's were came home uh, so there's this very tense scene of them waiting to hear, like, what list he's going to be on. And um, and then they find out that he's not on the returning home list. But he's also not on the died in captivity list. Basically, they don't know what happened to him. So by August of 1973, Marion actually, which is the wife, actually travels to Laos with a reporter to look for her husband. And this is only, like, months after the war has officially ended. And just this scene of, like, okay, imagine you're, you know, in your village. A war has just fucking ended. And a helicopter lands. And Americans get out of it. Sure, that was a great day. Sure, that wasn't tense at all. But anyway, (laughs) she goes... And asks people for news of her husband. And apparently he was being kept in this cave for some period of time. And so she's trying to find out information about him. And she hears some stories about him. But she can't actually like find out where he is. And I will say this woman clearly fucking loved her husband. Oh yeah. She, she becomes this activist. And would not stories- be stopped looking no. for her husband. Um, Alright. So then we learned that by... April 29th, 1975, Saigon becomes communist. And this creates a lot of refugees who are cruelly referred to as boat people. And this is a source of new information on POWs. So we get these accounts that there were starving men who were forced to work and that all of these prisoners were capped after the war, even though they weren't supposed to be, blah, blah, blah. So Marianne eventually gets access to this information through the Freedom of Information Act. And some of it comes from CIA CIA informants talking about her husband because he was doing shady things for the CIA. And um, in those accounts, it says that he was alive even in 1983. And at one point, he was shot in the legs because they were tired of him trying to escape. And supposedly, he had been turned over to the North Vietnamese in 68, where he was to be interrogated. And that's where we get this hilarious scene of him like going Rambo on everyone. He kind of looks like John Cena's cousin or something. And then he's like rampaging and yeah, flipping over tables and like, look, maybe he did. The thing is, we have no idea. We don't know what happened. So maybe stories are verifiable. And it seems like he, as the last POW, took on this mythic, like yeah exactly you know what i mean like they're constantly hearing stories from other servicemen and are they true or not or is it something they heard that they you know is it is this fourth hand information like we don't know we don't know anything it's very hard to separate the propaganda from the truth and something like this and also 
The servicemen want him to be alive. The family wants him to be alive. The idea that he's out there, like, still kicking ass for the USA is very, you know, intoxicating or tempting, right? Like, unfortunately, clearly this family would have been better off if they had known what happened to him and were able to grieve for this person that meant so much to to them and move on. But because he's deemed missing in action or still a prisoner of war, they're left in this weird limbo for this extended period of time. So we see now that Marion didn't want his designation changed from to from missing in action to presumed dead. So she actually goes and like fights the military panel that makes this decision. And her lawyer points out that they don't have any evidence that he's dead and the burden of proof should be on them to change it. So of the 2000 servicemen, he was the only one that was left missing in action. And that's how he becomes known as America's last uh, POW. Now things he said about this reenactment, which I found hilarious, is they have the same actress. So this is the story is spanning Marion's life. She spent this is her life's work right up until the day she dies. And so this is like years later when she has is significantly older. And the reenactment they use the same woman and just put this horrible white wig on her. Oh yeah, yeah. Put her in front of this (laughs) panel. It's comical. They're just like, oh, you're old now. It's like. How you would dress an old person, like a high schooler in a teenage play, where you're like, you're the grandma. Yes. Like a high school play, sorry. I don't know what a teenage play is. Uh, <laughs> I'm losing it because I don't want to talk about this so much. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite a bad reenactment. Um, <laughs> Hilariously bad. And it's also like a serious moment, and it makes it hard to take it seriously. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so then we hear a little bit more from his children and how the basically this this you know ruined everyone's life they weren't able to move on marion devoted her work her life to this i feel like she felt a deep this is just my speculation but i feel like she felt a deep sense of responsibility to do everything she could to try to get him back and it never felt like enough yeah so she's like living with this guilt she was struggling with alcoholism, and by 1990, she kills herself. But she is remembered as the face of the POW movement, and um, his son talks about different examples of POWs being kept for a long time, and he's clearly still holding out hope that his uh, dad is alive. But the update is that he is eventually officially changed to killed in action so that there can be a service at Arlington Cemetery. That's where we end. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to rant and rave about this too much. I just wanted to say that last time or some other time we talked about the POWs, I recommended this article from Newsweek, the story behind the POW MIA flag by Rick Perlstein and Newsweek. And it just talks about how so much of that is propaganda and is not really true. I don't know what to make of this. Maybe he really was alive for a long time. Maybe because he was in... Laos? I have no idea. But the, the thing is, we have, like, so little concrete information, and it. what's sad is it just destroyed this family. Yes. It destroyed Marianne's life. It. It's all so senseless. There's no, there was no reason for him to be there. There was no reason for any of this. Max Wright. This is a clear example of the U.S. <laughs> government being the bad guys. Happy Memorial Day. Slash Veterans Day. <laughs> 
Yeah, this segment, and it takes up almost the entire freaking episode. Very long. It, I mean, the nicest thing I can say about it is that it's sad. Like, I do feel terrible for Marion. Like, holy hell. I, and I feel terrible for Charles. He shouldn't have been there. They shouldn't have sent him to do that stuff. They should have been able to rescue him in three days. Whatever. But. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, it sucks. Yeah, and we have sucks. three more mysteries to talk about. And it's going to take absolutely zero time. Because they're yeah, so exactly. sad. This, this segment took almost the whole episode. These stories aren't. I don't know. I'm sure there's like a segment of the Unsolved Mysteries viewership that loved these stories. But they're my least favorite. So, because they're just frustrating. Like, it just seems so senseless and avoidable. And you see a family broken apart. And that's not even the family that, like, got bombed, right? <laughs> that's the family that just lost their dad. Yeah. I hate it. I know that. I know you're surprised to find out that I'm not a fan. <laughs> Shocked. Shocking. All right, we have a wanted next. Um, I do have a mustache from this segment. Oh, all right. I guess it's a cop. I didn't even read it down, and I barely remember this. But there is someone whose mustache is almost like two perfect triangles. Oh, is this Victor Webb, the guy that got shot? He has like a a very like cookie (laughs) cutter cop mustache. Someone has a mustache that I ended up calling the manta ray du jour. It's Victor Webb. I'm looking at a picture of him right now, and I just blew the picture up. And it looks like two triangles because it's a little thin in the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's going for that cop mustache, but because it's kind of thin right in the middle, it looks like just two connected triangles. It really looked like a manta ray to me, but then I was like, have I already called a mustache a manta ray? So it's the manta ray du jour, like the soup du jour. Literally all I wrote down for this segment, this is going to be really helpful to you. Wow, boring short segment. <laughs> it's it's yes, that I mean that's very true. We could just move on now. Okay, on the night of August 18th, 1984, Albuquerque police officers Vic Webb and Rick Foley received a tip that a woman wanted for fraud who was frequenting a local pool hall called Gary's Game Room. Gary's Game Room has some sick pink lighting. <laughs> I need that lighting in my house. <laughs> it looks like all the lights in the whole place were pink. As they uh, should be. Pretty That's awesome. Flattering. Pretty awesome. Uh also the reenactment of these cops walking into this pool hall and just being completely unwelcome um was kind of funny. I, mean, I guess Unsolved Mysteries is trying to say that like criminals hang out there. I feel like that's not true. In a pool hall. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny to watch old things where it's like, oh, unsavory men playing pool. And you're kind of like, so? <laughs> Let him play what? pool. It's not a crime. All right. As they walk down the <laughs> hallway. Pooling is, Samantha. <laughs> Putting $5 on your game of pool. It's a oh, very serious crime. That's right. That's right. Lock I can't believe. Up. Throw away the key. Flipping about it. <laughs> okay. So as they were walking down the hall, a man came at them with a gun and ordered them to drop their weapons. Uh, this was based on the Zombie Mysteries reenactment. This would, was strange because they they weren't like they didn't have their guns out. <laughs> like they weren't. It seems like they were just walking into this pool hall. They weren't. I mean, they were looking for this person, but I don't. know. I think it's just a bad reenactment, probably. Uh, so they tried to flee, and the man began firing at the officers. They drew their weapons, and a gunfight ensued while they tried to exit the bar. 
Um, he was wearing a like a bulletproof vest type situation, um, but he was hit twice, and the second bullet uh, went through his right arm. It severed an artery and destroyed nerves, and it left his shooting hand useless. So he wasn't able to like shoot back or whatever. He dropped his gun in the process. Um, he did manage to make his way out of the bar where his partner, Officer Foley, was already radioing for assistance. Fortunately, uh, he did survive the shooting, but it didn't seem like he was going to live for a while. He just he's interviewed for the show. Obviously, we were talking about his mustache and he was basically described like it felt like he was on his way out, like things were getting dark. And this is as he was, you know, it severed an artery. So he's losing blood. This is not not a good time. They only realized later that the suspect had picked up Webb's gun as he was escaping. The assailant was later identified as Lyle Moody, who is a a paroled armed robber with a criminal record stretching back to uh, 17 years. Ironically, the suspect that the two were originally looking for had been arrested 18 months earlier, but her name had not been removed from the computer. (laughs) So they didn't even need to be there. Solid, solid police work. Meanwhile, Moody is wanted for attempted murder and is still at large. He, at the time, had been spotted in New Mexico, California, and Colorado, and he was last seen sometime in March 1985. So, the result... What happened? What happened? You're on the edge of your seats, I know. He was captured. On the night of February 22nd, 2002, Lyle Moody was arrested on a criminal trespassing charge in New York City. Moody gave police the alias Fred Darden, but authorities ran his fingerprints in a database and discovered that he was a wanted fugitive. He was extradited to New Mexico, where he was found guilty of two counts of assault and aggravated ba- aggravated battery. He was and sent- then was eaten alive by coconut crabs. <laughs> no, no, he was not. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, as far as I know, that's not that's not uh, something you can be. I'm so- I'm sorry. I- I got a little carried away. Death by coconut crab is not. uh, (laughs) I mean, is that is that really more cruel than lethal injection? I'm not sure. Aren't there some states where you can choose if you're sentenced to death? You can choose how. Yeah, but I think it's from. uh, It's not like from anything. I think you you can't say I want to be eaten alive by coconut crabs. No, you can't say like I want you know uh, Brad Pitt to come hug me to death. But you can't just like you can't make up anything. I want to be killed by coconut. I want to be stabbed in the chest by a unicorn horn. No, I think you can like choose between I don't know lethal injection or you're right. You probably get whatever that whatever whatever else is there. I don't know. I don't know. It should be nothing. Okay, on uh... (laughs) it should be death by coconut crabs or nothing. Or Brad Pitt hugs you to death. Why do think Brad Pitt? <laughs> I don't give a shit about Brad Pitt, but okay. Just an uh, example of something that I know Samantha would try to pick. Just kidding, <laughs> but you can't. But you can't. I want tiny hedgehogs to march in a circle on me until I die. <laughs> what a lovely way to go. <laughs> I would de- okay. I would definitely request that I'm in my bed, covered in blankets, watching TV. Yeah. And then I don't, I don't know, poisoned. I don't really care. Something, something not painful. I agree. Okay, so he, he was not sentenced. To oh, it's the gas chamber. Coke. That's yeah. the other one, right? Guess. Yeah, I think you yeah. also can choose electrocution. Really? I don't so know why that? you would choose that. 
I'm maybe making this up. I have no fucking idea. Don't I'm not a source on this. I don't know. We're not a source on anything. Who knows? I, I, like I find it hard to believe someone's writing a research paper and there's a citation that's like, perhaps it's you. No. No. <laughs> that will never happen. I'm reading up an Unsolved Mysteries wiki right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he was not sentenced to death by coconut crab. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison. He served six and was paroled. So Okay. There you go. So he, he didn't die by coconut crab is what you're telling me. I mean, he could have. I don't have Later. Unrelated. He got out yeah. in 2010. So what happened? <laughs> he said he said ten, 10 years. years. He said ten years to to make a series of choices that led him to be eaten alive in the lair of a coconut crab. Okay, <laughs> it is now time for a special alert. It's not that special, I have to say. But the FBI contacted Unsolved Mysteries for help catching an escaped prisoner named Richard Lee McNair who I'm pretty sure is just Littlefinger wearing a mustache. <laughs> but he can't win MVM because he's a dirtbag. I did have a mustache from this episode. See, the thing, okay, I name mustaches like the first thing that pops in my head. I feel like that's pure. And in this case, I feel like I might have written down a sex thing that I'm unaware of. <laughs> I called it the scruff bunny. <laughs> Is okay. that a sex thing? I, I'm not that I'm aware of, but not that I'm aware of talent. either. But it kind of has that ring to it. The coconut crab could be a sex thing, for all I know. Yeah, you're, you don't know about the coconut crab, all right? <laughs> uh, because it kind of looks like bunny ears, but also scruffy. Got it? Uh-huh. Okay. Let's talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about Richard McNair. Uh, in November 1987, he murdered. Jerome or Terry ties a truck driver at a grain elevator in North Dakota and injured another man in an attempted bank robbery. Not a good day. In 1998, he pled guilty to the crime and was sentenced to a life life in prison in the Bismarck, North Dakota penitentiary. In April of 1991, him and another inmate tried to escape, but they failed. After that, he went on to become a model prisoner. Never suspicious on Unsolved Mysteries. And he was involved in those, like, scared straight type programs where teens come. You know when, like, teens have, like, a bad home situation? So they solve that problem by making them go to a prison and have convicts yell at them? <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, I'm sure they're like, you don't want to end up here like me. Anyway. So he got very involved in that. But then he used that to escape. Here's what happened. On the evening of October 9th, 1992, McNair and two inmates found a weak link in prison security. There was an air vent in the education room. Which, actually, maybe that doesn't have anything to do with the... I thought they were, like, in the classroom. They were scaring kids, but maybe not. Um, So they go through the vent. They get up to a roof. And then they jump to, like, another roof and another roof. And then they're able to get over the fence. Uh, they were heard escaping, and the guards went after them right away. So the two other convicts were recaptured, but at this point, McNair remained at large. The investigators thought he had stolen a light blue 1990 Chevrolet Ford pickup uh, that was stolen from the H&A Thompson & Sons Plumbing Company. Oh, that's a bad day for them. And that had been two miles west of the prison, and that he was suspected to have fled Oklahoma fled to Oklahoma, where his family lives, or maybe Washington State, where his girlfriend was. 
So this is not interesting at all. The results are that he is captured. In December of 1992, the truck McNair used to escape was found abandoned in Phoenix, Arizona. By July of 93, McNair was arrested when he tried to break into a car dealership in Grand Island, Nebraska. I don't know. I don't know that this guy is great at crimes. He was then taken back to North Dakota to continue his life sentence. But, interestingly, by April of 2006, he escaped from prison again. Look, do do what you love. Uh, (laughs) But he was recaptured in Canada by October of 2007. He was sent back to the United States where he is currently serving two life sentences. Seems like a lot, but, I mean, he did murder a man. Anyway... That is the story of Littlefinger wearing a fake mustache, so we don't know what's him. <laughs> it's right. so fast. It's like a blip. Well, there's no time left in this episode. No, there's no yeah. time, and it's, it's really boring. The FBI is like, this guy escaped, and then it's like, and we got him. All right. Good, good I guess. Good yeah. for us. All right. I think this is another wanted... Uh, maybe I wrote it down. It was either a wanted or an unexplained death. But it's, it's an unexplained pretty- death. And we get Robert Stack in, like, a leather dad jacket. And I don't mean, like, a daddy jacket. I mean, like, your dad went to Winston's Leather and bought a jacket. <laughs> How much do you wish it was a daddy jacket? I I don't, but it would make for great conversation. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. But, you so know I guess what? I do. So okay, I guess I do. Not, not for personal reasons so much, but for the podcast. For the sake of the podcast. Agree. If we just had Robert Stack randomly show up like a leather daddy i mean it would be something it would be something didn't you make some joke at one point about how he went to vampire sex clubs or something i mean i don't remember that but probably sounds like something i rings the bell i mean what is he gonna wear to a vamp he's not gonna wear maybe he's wearing the trench coat but he's wearing the trench coat and nothing else Okay, this has gone off the rails. Okay, we have a, a <laughs> guess <laughs> unexplained death. It seems explained since someone saw it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but it seems really explained. Terrible, horrible, not involving coconut crabs, but explained. Very explained. All right, anyway. In 1982, when Rebecca Young was 12, her mother was murdered and she went to live with her aunt, Lucille. Tragically, in April 1991, she herself was stabbed and murdered in an isolated sugarcane field near Bell Glade, uh, Florida. She was 21 at the time. This uh, poor family. They're cursed. Yeah, it's it's absolutely horrible. Uh, uh. So this happened in April 1991. On May 1st, a witness calling himself Antonio Fon- Fonseca I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. I'm sorry. Called the local police from a payphone and reported that he had been hunting illegally in the same field at the same time that she was killed. But I think they're looking for this guy. I think that the point of this of this segment is that they're looking for this guy because he witnessed this. He told I them he didn't want to get involved, but he, you know, he did. He knew he had to like say something, so he makes this anonymous tip. But also, he's there because he's hunting illegally, and maybe he didn't want to like. I don't know. Maybe he thought he'd get in trouble for that. 
Right. Um, Antonio told them that he had seen Rebecca arrive in a blue Ford Bronco with two Hispanic men. One he said was Cuban and one he said he thought was Mexican. He observed them arguing with her over what he believed to be money and drugs. She was subsequently killed with a machete. Seemingly, he said in the heat of the moment, but they drove her to an isolated sugarcane field. With a machete! They had a machete! Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe all y'all got a machete in your car (laughs) in case you got to clear some some brush but that seems a little premeditated to me seems like it antonio said he waited a week to report her murder to the police because he was afraid her killers would discover his identity and kill him as well and i I mean it seems like they would people who are killing people with machetes they don't seem very trustworthy to me (laughs) it's a bold statement they're not (laughs) they're, they're not my favorite people i'm gonna go out a little limb and say that not a fan of machete killers uh yeah i would be scared of these guys too yeah eventually he realized that because he witnessed a murder reporting it to the police was the right thing to do Ugh. you know that this this you know i i can just picture this guy having these like restless nights like tossing and turning oh yeah plus trying being to figure traumatized out. by seeing a woman murdered murdered by machete, by machete? Oh my even, God. it's dramatic to see someone you know get murdered in any fashion of course to see someone get shot but there's the like brutality of someone being murdered by m- machete i can't imagine that's horrifying told investigators that rebecca's murder took place behind a building shaped like an ice cream cone they found her oh, partially- that is specific <laughs> Her partially decomposed body in the field exactly where uh. she was identified through fingerprints. Eventually, during the investigation, it was revealed that she had been dating a man with obvious criminal ties. Although he wasn't a suspect, police believe that his criminal ties may have led to her murder. It is theorized that her boyfriend may have forced her to do sex work. Uh, and that he may have ripped off one of her customers, possibly without her knowledge. I don't know that they have any evidence of that whatsoever. But yeah, nah, I, I, I found this to be like a tiny bit victim blamey. Like I know they were trying to blame the boyfriend, but it was sort of like she was hanging out with a bad crowd and got sucked yeah. into the underground world of sex. It's like you don't know any of this. No. Three weeks later, on. May 14th, another sex worker called the police to report a local man who was boasting that he had recently killed an African-American woman. They Can soon- you imagine this conversation? What the fuckity fuck? <laughs> He's this just guy's like, okay, you? I think I'm gonna, you know, I'm in the mood to party. I'm gonna go find myself a sex worker. Hey, did you know I once killed somebody? Like, what is that? What is that pickup line? Man, Men- you're you're unhinged. <laughs> I mean, really, what is, are, are, the men are not Start okay. packing for the moon colony, all right? Get your shit together. Put it in a trunk. We're going to figure out how to get you there. Be prepared. Be prepared. So they, they soon picked this guy up while he was driving his car under the influence of drugs and or alcohol. He seemed sure that they wanted to question him about a murder even before it, he was made aware that he was being <laughs> what he was being arrested for. So Bad seems- sign. Bad sign. When he, the police come to your house, don't open the door and go, oh, this is about the murder. <laughs> That's no. Mm-mm. First of all, you need to be calling your lawyer. You need to be insisting they have a warrant. But definitely don't go. I had nothing to do with that murder as you open the door. 
Uh, sir, we were just here to see about this lost cat. Um, yeah, yeah. What is this murder you're talking about? We had a noise complaint, and we were wondering if you... Oh, oh my goodness. Murder? Yeah. yeah. So he quickly lawyered up, and before he would agree to any further questioning, seems like a smart thing to do, especially for this guy, because they had uh, no evidence tying him to Rebecca or her boyfriend. <laughs> they were unable to charge him with her murder and had no choice but to release him. Yeah, they can't hold people indefinitely uh, with no evidence. They, <laughs> <laughs> The show is like, damn. If only we could have just locked him up and thrown away the key. They were forced to release a man they had no evidence had actually committed a crime. They have attempted to find Antonio for more information. Um, the police believe that he that the man they arrested in May 1991 was indeed somehow involved in the murder, but they need evidence to connect him to the murder. So they are hoping that Antonio could, like, I don't know, identify they him They need alive. evidence? What? That's how trials work? Now yeah. you tell me. And uh, if you were hoping that this was solved, uh, sorry, but it's unsolved. Oh, that sucks. Oh, yeah. Okay, really who, sad. Whoever did this horrible crime, I really do hope they were eaten by coconut crabs. I, <laughs> I know. hope they were torn limb from limb. I hope. I know I keep coming back to that, but you didn't have my nightmare. And also, what a sad, what a, I feel so bad for this family. It's horrible. What Her mother was murdered, and then she was murdered. <sighs> Fuck. That's yeah. awful. Terrible. Right. But that's the end, everyone. Thank Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. That was rough. It. I mean can I just say thumbs down all around except for Robert Sack? Yeah, I think we have to. Do we even need to go through it thing by thing? Reactment reenactments sucked. They were terrible. <laughs> they were bad. They were so bad. They were just put in those sh- those wigs from the Halloween store on young women pretending they got old. Uh, that guy's Ramboing on people. It looked like WWE. It- yeah, bad. There, it's bad. Not that mysterious. I, I mean, the last one, I guess it no. was never solved, but it's just sad. It doesn't have like an element of mystery where I go, ooh, I wonder what happened. I just go, that fucking sucked. Yeah. Yeah. So- Here's a, the most random question for you. When you were, like, middle school age, would you get in trouble at school for saying the words something sucked? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that being frowned upon. I don't remember specifically myself getting in trouble, but I remember that being frowned upon. I was thinking about that the other day and how fucking hilarious that is. That is kind of – I've never, like, take pause to think about that, but now that I now that I, <laughs> now that I do – that's. Particularly now that I'm on this podcast swearing like a sailor that something is wrong with him. Um, Just the fact that they were like, now, now, you can't say something sucked. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you, Hubble Middle School. Really setting me on the right path. It clearly worked. Clearly worked. Um, Okay. I mean, we have to give it a scale, a Robert Stack scale, right? Okay. But what are we saying about Robert Stack himself? I oh. like the outfit changes. Yeah, thumbs up. So thumbs up. Okay, okay. Uh, so out of five Robert Staggs, I mean, one? Less than one? I hated it. Generous. I didn't like this episode one bit. Bury it in the ground and just leave it there. They should have just cut this from the thing. There's no... This didn't need to be resurrected. It could stay in a tomb. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's it, it blew. Oh, I got in trouble for saying that, too. That it blew? Yeah, that's not well, because it's like a sex thing, right? Yeah, but the same thing with sucked. Yeah, that's, that's why it's bad. 
Yeah, but who, well, you could be talking no, about not. sucking dick. But I wasn't clearly <laughs> because I was nine or whatever. <laughs> I don't think if I'm saying Ugh, math homework sucks that I'm talking about dick. <laughs> well, you know, you know, that's just me though. You know, you uh, oh, I may have talked about this before on the podcast, but my middle school was ripped down to build a Mariano's grocery store. And that fills me with such absolute joy. And you can actually find a video on YouTube of like a wrecking ball hitting it. But only like 11 people have watched it. And I might be those 11 people on different devices. Oh, it's the most satisfying thing in the world. Yeah, it's so great. That place was a nightmare. Probably built on an actual hell mouth. Okay. Now, is that my recommendation? No. Only if you went to middle school with me. Be sure to check it, check out that video. Otherwise, I do have a recommendation for people who did not go to middle school with me. All right. And it's not getting eaten to death by coconut crabs. That sounds terrible. My recommendation is a TV show currently on Hulu. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows. You may be familiar with a movie that came out a few years ago. It's like a spinoff of that. So it's a vampire comedy. The TV show has different characters than the movie. Doesn't I enjoyed the movie. I liked it. I don't know that I ever really thought about it. I watched it. I had a good time. Moved on with my life. This TV show is so good. Oh. And it's currently having, I think, new episodes every Thursday. And it is one of the best things I've watched in a long time it is so funny but also so charming and i've just like fallen in love with all of the characters and their hilarious spooky vampire lives and i just love it so much i i don't even know what to say it's just great i love hilarious spooky vampire lives i wish i had a hilarious spooky vampire life i know i i'm i don't know that i'm really like a vampire person i don't know that i'm like super into like vampire lore or whatever but this might almost like push me in that direction because I do want to start talking about like my boudoir and like have, you know, they have like all these like creep. I don't know. I can't explain it, but I love their creepy house and it's actually like, fucking hilarious. It's so well done. The actors are all so funny in it. The woman that plays Nadia, I just, I cannot believe how amazing she is. And I just love Nadia so much and I want her to be my vampire friend. Um, yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's like surprisingly like I'm not surprised that it's really funny because the movie is really funny but I'm surprised that I'm finding it like as it goes like more and more endearing where I actually like kind of care very strange uh yeah so good and they come up with like good things for like each episode to be about there's been like one where there was a ghost and I don't know whatever but highly enjoyable if you have Hulu check it out I don't know. I don't, this is like the best content Hulu has provided that I can think of. In general, I would say it's probably not worth the money, honestly. But this, I'm really enjoying. That's a solid recommendation. What do you got? I have the most ridiculous recommendations ever. Oh, I'm so here for it. <laughs> I, I, can't, I Okay. So what I really wanted to recommend was something I've been seeing on Twitter in the last couple of days, which are photos of priests baptizing babies with squirt guns. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I love it. I've been it. collecting I love them I love like it. trading cards. <laughs> yes! 
Yes, I love this about you so much. <laughs> I've been saving them and sending my mom and my sister and I have a like a small group text and I have been sending them every one that I find. And I don't know if they're into it or if they think I'm ridiculous, but it's so funny to me. You can send them to me. I would love to see them. Just a priest with a super soaker and a woman holding a baby up <laughs> at arm's length. It's so it's so fucking funny to me. Somehow, even though Mac, I swear, is on the internet all the time, is very online, had not seen these photos. <laughs> and so I like referenced it and he was like, What are you talking about? And I showed him one. And I showed him one that was like made into a meme. So the baby oh, is yeah. like is like saying, like, I'm sorry for the crime of be- I'm sorry for the crime of being a baby. And the priest is like, Some crimes can never be forgiven or something. Okay, but he's like he was like, what is this? And I was like, no, that's how they're baptizing babies now. And he's like, why don't they use like a water spritzer? Why do they have to use a thing shaped like a gun? And I was like, you're Catholic, not me. Don't ask me. I, I, I We had an episode where I got like every single thing about church wrong. <laughs> I know which photo you're talking about. And it really lends itself to Photoshop because the, the squirt gun he's using is white, which I assume is like, I don't know, it makes it more churchy or something but it's it looks like an actual gun versus like a lime green super soaker like that some some of them are using this looks like an actual gun and it looks like he's shooting this baby it really lends itself to photoshop i my, the pulp fiction ones are just gold it's like chef's kiss i don't know the internet was made for this it's amazing a friend of mine recently had a baby, and I, you know I'm not religious. I had never thought about whether it would be baptized or not, and frankly, I don't really care. But now, I want that baby to be baptized because I want a photo like this of the baby, <laughs> a super soaker full of holy water. Yes. So there's a, there's yes. one of of a, a priest on like a. a I don't, a drive up blessing. I, I'm not Catholic. I don't know, but he's shooting a squirt gun into someone's car. <laughs> I don't know if this is a drive-by baptism or what this was. But the photo, the photo is so funny. So if this this country is fucking wild. <laughs> this is like, I don't know if you're not from here. I'm sure. I hope I've already convinced you to never come. You're probably not going to come now because we all have coronavirus. But we are out of control. <laughs> and this is, if you saw the Tiger King, you know. This is, this is like, the Wild West never ended. This is a shit show. And these photos are a great, like, that's what comes out of this place. It's a microcosm of just the the wildness that is happening. You just keep stirring the U.S. in the pot for a while, and eventually a priest is shooting a baby with a super soaker. Like, who, who had that on their, their 2020 bingo card? Like, things have gotten so weird that you're just like, yep, all right. <laughs> of course, that's a thing. Friend of the Pod Arden was telling us this conspiracy theory that oh, on, from Tiger King. Oh, my God. Though, what's his name? I'm going to screw uh, this up. The, uh, it starts with an L, right? I'll find oh, it. Oh, my God. Are you looking for the, the man's name? Yeah. No, Who's I that can't. guy that is always wearing an Affliction t-shirt? <laughs> Let me find out. Oh, Jeff Lowe. 
Yes. Okay. So friend of the pot Arden was telling us this conspiracy theory that on Tiger King, Jeff Lowe is actually Carol Baskin's first husband (laughs) that she hired to like discredit and possibly kill Joe Exotic. And that's why. Honestly, the side by side is uncanny. Okay, I'm not saying I'm a he uh, really does look Carol like Baskin husband Jeff Low Truther, but honestly, it kind of makes sense. But the thing, my reaction was just like, "Look, is that's not weirder than anything else? <laughs> we got UFOs. We got we got people f- fighting for their right to die in a red lobster. We got priests shooting babies with water pistols. <laughs> uh, why not?" Why not be a, a Jeff Lowe, Carol Baskin truther? I don't know. Why not? You know what? You do you. Yeah. I'm so, t- the, I'm so tired. Is recommendation yet? Possibly. But I am also tired. I don't know. I don't. I think actually it's a great recommendation. I'm collecting those photos. If you got more, send, send, them, send them my way. It's going to be my pandemic scrapbook. Uh, yes you ha- yeah you should print them out at walgreens on actual like <laughs> photo paper and make a little book that would be the best um wow okay it comes to an end folks we got it we got it we're, ha- we're hanging on uh we're, we're here at the end times but we're still alive god damn it still and making those pro- unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast <laughs> Yeah, because why not? I mean, you got to do something with your final days. Uh, How do we wrap this up? So, uh, plug our shit. Social media is a thing. And we're on Twitter and Instagram. And we've already talked about our Facebook groups. Plus, we have a website, perhaps it's you.com. You can fill out a form there to contact us. That's got all of our links and shit. Oh, man, it's so good. Also, if you're looking for things to do because you're being responsible and you're not going outside so much... We got a bunch of recommendations on our website. Stuff to read, stuff to watch, whatever. So maybe I'll keep you entertained for just a little bit longer. I'm looking forward to you adding Samantha recommends pictures of priests squirting babies with squirt guns. Yeah, I'm actually not quite sure how I'm going to add that. Maybe I'll just... Just skip it, honestly. No, I think I'll just add, like, one photo. Do you think it's okay if I put one photo, if I credit the photo? If I just stick that in the middle of the recommendation? (laughs) I'm sure it's fine. Uh, uh, oh, okay. What else? What else we got? So we really could use some five-star reviews. You know that's what we feed on. It gives us our life force and our energy. So, And we only accept five-star reviews. Get those four-star reviews out of here. Put them in the garbage. Yep. And, uh, God, what else? What else? Patreon. This month, by special request, we're going back to the low files. And you know what? It's a deeper well than you think. A shallow <laughs> well, but it's still deeper than you thought. <laughs> There was more content there. Anything else? Is there another so. thing? You can send your zine recommendations. Recommendations. Oh, my God. Submissions. Perhaps it's you podcast, gmail.com. Also, if you had a spooky story you want to send our way. Or a psychic dream. Or if you once tangled with a coconut crab. Is that <laughs> everything? Is that everything? <laughs> uh, thank you so much to rob for coming on our podcast last that time was so much fun. he's such a gentleman yeah. you should go listen to his much more successful podcast our strange skies agreed where he actually does research and stuff like that mm-hmm. all right everyone i, I hope you're it. taking a break 
from Solving Mysteries. I hope you're staying safe and healthy and you're eating snacks and you're taking naps and you're taking care of yourself. Yes. And possibly just wearing a trench coat and nothing else. I don't know. You do you. Do what makes you happy. Yeah. Bye. Bye.